Welcome to the third season of That's So Second Millennium, the Catholic science podcast where we explore the fascinating borderlands between science and theology through realms of philosophy, human experience, and more. Welcome back to episode 97 of That's So Second Millennium. So, in this episode, Bill and I get together and we talk about the subject that's on everyone's mind, the coronavirus. So we talk about it from the perspective, I mean, it's really... I don't know, I'm not sure it's fair to say that Bill drives the conversation, but obviously, I mean, we're talking about a current event. Bill's the journalist, he's in the driver's seat, I feel. Um, But yeah, we we talk about the perspectives. What does does this mean from a sociological perspective, I think, is really underlying a lot of it, and we're not really talking about it in very technical terms, but... That's what we're that's what we're focused on. What is this going to do? What is this doing to society? What trends that already exist in society is this going to exacerbate? Is there any hope that uh, maybe we'll get sick of being isolated? Maybe we'll get sick of social distancing by the time this is all over with, and maybe there'll be some beneficial effect in terms of us trying to get together and actually deal with people. Hard to say. We won't know. Tune in and find out. Well, the first thing that's on everybody's mind right now is we sit down to talk in the middle of March is the uh, coronavirus uh, craziness and that uh, something like social distancing has certainly jumped out at me, uh, partly because it's part of a a broader complex of um, uh, relatively extreme measures that uh, as certainly as a non-scientist and one who vaguely remembers things like the Ebola crisis and uh, SARS and all of that. I I still have not grasped why this one is so different, except that maybe the financial stakes are as high as the health stakes, because now we're seeing, you know, that uh, is really rocking the stock market, etc. The bottom line is that we're so easily moved into all of these rather draconian Measures. Not that I'm complaining, uh, uh, because I'm all for good health for everybody. Uh, But they seem to be relatively draconian measures, and um, uh, they're all driven by science. And uh, it occurs to me that there's a slightly uh, scary, not scary, but kind of um, thought-provoking similarity between social distancing and something that I've been writing about. Uh, for several years now, uh, out of a more spiritual and journalistic-based concern, namely America's trend toward social polarization. To me, the two sound eerily similar, obviously for two very different reasons, but it's kind of ironic that we, we're, we're distancing ourselves just at a time when I was hoping in 2020 when politics was getting more raucous than ever, when everything was getting more raucous uh, than ever, um, I was hoping that maybe we could start moving more toward inclusive conversations and understanding each other and uh, a a little bit less uh, hatred and uh, uh, isolation through the social media, et cetera. That would always be nice. It would be nice, but I admit that I admit I admit that I'm rather naive on that score. Uh, And it's and now with social uh, distancing, it seems that we're being being moved more toward uh, reliance on social media, the 
the kind of false communities of social media rather than yeah. uh, immersion in real communities, flesh and blood communities, where God forbid there might be more than 10 people meeting at a time. <laughs> yeah. Those, yeah. yeah. So it's kind of it's yeah, sad. It. It's just sad. Yeah. It, it very much is. It very much is. I mean, it's I, you know, not that uh, anyone reads anything that I post on Twitter. I've just barely started <laughs> doing it anyway. But uh, ah, Twitter. Oh my, you my, could be dangerous on Twitter. Oh wow. yeah. Oh yeah. Tw- Twitter is is dangerous. So it's although <laughs> I'm more used to Facebook, and Facebook is is obviously uh, just an absolute morass. Um, but, uh, but yeah, no, it's, it's just that I, I, I commented that, uh, we white Americans have been practicing social distancing for centuries. I'm sure we'll be, we've got this, we've got this. I mean, I mean, it goes all the way back. I mean, who, and, you know, and Darsha Narvez has her own perspective on this. Um, you don't don't even necessarily have to paint it as bleakly as she does to look at, look at history and say, who do we celebrate? You know, who do we celebrate in the 18th and 19th century? Daniel Boone, Davy Crockett. Uh, yeah. You know, if you can see your neighbor's chimney smoke, you're they're too close. It's time to move further west. Yeah. There's that certain there is that certain sense built into the American psyche. I mean, that's that's our historical, and we're you know we're killing that. You know, we don't watch westerns anymore. Right. Um, right, westerns anymore. Oh, not nearly so. I mean, obviously they're still there, but they they just they're they're much yeah, it's not more than a bigger part of our culture. That, yeah. that mystique is not what it was in the mid twentieth century, right? You know, that's right. That's just that it just doesn't occupy that same space in our cultural landscape anymore. We're becoming urban. We're becoming you know Europeanized in some sense yeah. or another. So we were from, a cult. We were very clearly a culture of loners. But do you think that we're becoming, or we were on our way to becoming? Less or more of a culture of loners? I mean, I can't imagine how you could look at our culture and say we're becoming less of a culture of loners. Because what was also Mm -hmm. true in the mid-20th century is that we had all these fraternal societies. I mean, you think of the whole, gosh, it's Alexis de Tocqueville, isn't it, who um, was in the 1820s, 1830s. I'm groping right now for some reason. But the guy guy from France who came over and, (laughs) you know, and and reviewed American culture and said, this is what, you know, seems to me to be different about the way people in America do things, you know, and one comment sticks with me and I should read it for myself rather than dealing with people's pull quotes, but this certainly stuck with me that, you know, if you have some social, you know, movement or community movement anyway, in France, it's the state doing it. In Britain, it's some great, you know, magnate, it's some local Lord or, you know, maybe some rich guy. And in America, right. it was some, you know, some fraternal society. It was some, you know, band of people gathered together for a common purpose. So, I mean, you think about Knights of Col- the Knights of Columbus, or for right. that matter, you know, the Optimists, or or the Freemasons, mm-hmm. or you know, so all of that stuff. And and you think there's wasn't there a book a while back called Bowling Alone? That, you know, I was thinking about, of that the other day. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that that's you know, so we don't, we just don't do organizing you know, golf leagues and bowling leagues and all that stuff is now. Well, you know, it's just too much trouble. I got kids; it's too much trouble. Like people had kids, and it wasn't too much trouble in the fifties. What's different now? I mean, part right. of it, but, and you know, in grim, you know, black humor terms. I'm like, it gets in the way of your Netflix time. Uh-huh. Uh, all the other stuff. I mean, we just have so many things that we don't necessarily want to admit to that take up so much time because we have all of this 
we have all of these ways to distract ourselves and yeah. we, get, we get dependent on them and we need to, we feel we need a certain amount of them. We don't get a certain dosage of them a day. We get nervous. I mean, the whole, I mean, it's, it's, it's an addictive cycle. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it doesn't leave room for social things. So it's, it's no longer the thing about the thing is different about what we value about loners in the fifties versus what we value about loners today is that, you know, today we want to be a loner, but we don't want to be involved in the risk of being, we want people to take care of us. We want to make sure the society, you know, we have, ad- yeah. we have quote adequate healthcare and, you know, and I only put it in quotes because I don't know what adequate healthcare is and I'm not sure anybody else really does either. Indeed. Um, and they're, and certainly not most of the people bloviating about it on Twitter or Facebook certainly don't know what adequate healthcare would actually be. That's right. Um, yeah, but that's, that's, yeah. I mean, certainly that's, that's something I see that, you know, the millennial loner and there are legions, legions of them Yeah, um, is different than the sort of 50s style loner or let alone the 1850s style loner. Yeah. Well, the millennial owner, the, the millennial uh, loner, uh, still uh, has been raised uh, to to think uh, that there is somebody, either their parents or now the government, who can uh, solve all their problems. So they're not truly independent in the bad sense. They're just independent in the good, freewheeling, right. uh, devil-may-care kind of sense. Right. Well, I mean, yeah. yeah. The- I can engage in the leisure activities, including the sexual leisure activities that I want to, and I and there should be no consequences for them. Right. Yeah. Of course, that's. Uh, I don't mean whole generation, but it does seem as though it's those younger folks who are uh, clustering around uh, um, Sanders. Yeah. Whereas, yeah, and. Uh, uh, it's 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 not ultimately the dominant uh, culture or mind frame of the day, and hence uh, Biden uh, getting more votes. Biden, oh my, yeah, <laughs> yeah. We'll talk about among the sad phenomena of our of our society today. Not speaking Democrat versus Republican, but just the fact that uh, could we could we still have after all of these years and with so many generations coming forward that we've spent so much money and time in investing in uh, in their education and and raising them to be great leaders as every college's motto oh yeah uh, every, stresses, every last right? one every last one yeah yeah we want to there, raise your kid to be a great leader there is no four-year college that says that we want to produce great followers <laughs> no, <laughs> although the world could use a few more good followers. <laughs> we, 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 nearly all of us are followers to a considerable extent, and we should probably put some thought into into how we should do that well. But yeah, that's yeah. not stylish. I mean, that's a, that's another aspect of the whole loner phenomenon. I'm you know I'm alone. I'm self I'm self dependent by God. I mean that was that was the old fashion of loners, and then there's still you know I mean it's become I mean there's there's this dichotomy between people who just want the safety of a big, you know, a job as, you know, a cog in the corporate machine somewhere and by God, they'll be taken care of and have benefits and they won't have to work all that hard because, you know, ultimately the success or failure of the organization doesn't really depend on them in any, right, in any right. noticeable sense. 
Um, and then yeah. the people who are, you know, just about like, oh, I got to start my own business. I don't even know what it's going to be, but by God, I got to be an entrepreneur <laughs> and I got to start my own business. Like, what is, right. I, I, I've dealt with these, you know, I've, I've, I've put myself in a position where I'm listening to people from that, you know, perspective for the yeah. last three years. Um, yeah. Ever since I started listening to a particular podcast that's out in that sphere. And uh-huh. it just, what's wrong with you people? <laughs> yeah. Huh? They <laughs> just don't know what's involved. It's a means yeah. to an end. I mean, not that they don't necessarily yeah. know what's involved. They may or may not know what's involved, but it's still, it's like, it's a, oh, I've just got to start my own business. Yeah. I've, got to, I've got to be calling my own shots and I've got to create this great thing, whatever it is, and make a gazillion dollars at it. Yeah. Okay. That doesn't yeah. motivate me. That doesn't motivate no. me at all. It really doesn't. Even more superficially, I, I saw a program on EWTN the other day where uh, the philosopher Peter Kreft uh, said that so many students that he talks with now in college, uh, you know, he asks them what they want to be. And their one primary answer is that they want to be famous. And and so then he probes deeper, you know, what do you want to be famous for? And he's concluded that most of them don't really care what makes them famous it could simply be that you know they have a lot of followers on their youtube channel or something you're giving movie reviews or something but at least at least they're people are looking for some kind of self-confidence and for some you know sense that that they're affirmation exactly and our, our i guess our world is not giving it to the vast bulk of people anymore Right. I mean, that goes back to everything Darsha talks about as well. I mean, if you don't get it as yeah. a child, an adequate amount of affirmation of the child, you go craving it, you know, from destructive sources later in life. Yeah. You, go, yeah. you show off for your peers and, you know, you go on sexual conquests and, you know, you try to get, you know, try to make a lot of money and acquire power and, you know, tell people what to do. And there's yeah. a lot of different ways it can go. Yeah. If that, if that, if that never gets healed, then you keep, you keep trying to fill it with things that won't fill it. I mean, that's fundamental. That's fundamental Christianity. That's fundamental addiction science. Indeed. That's Indeed. fundamental. That's fundamental 12 step lore. Yeah. Yeah. But just looking at now at the, at the social distancing, I think there is that deep sense in which, uh, especially in the absence of uh, faith, um, we're, we're left we're 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 left with becoming uh, even more a, a spectator society where we want we'll wind up uh, uh, socially distanced, and not able to even go to a restaurant, and we'll right. maybe binge watch more TV. Yeah. And when we start to realize, gee, maybe there's there's got to be something more out of life. Uh, and so. and hence maybe please may, might might we think of God and relationships with the Lord under such circumstances, but now in a kind of strange spiritual warfare kind of way, even the churches have been closed. Oh yeah, and that's 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 the biggest tragedy of them all. It's, is I mean the the fact that people are already I think the bishops of Ohio, for example, I heard I heard someone say that they they're already calling off. You know that there won't be any services for Easter. My gosh! Yeah, it's, Holy Week. That yeah, I mean maybe that's what the. Remember, uh, years ago we used to say that the bishops are just 
uh, at the mercy of lawyers, uh, especially vis-a-vis the, uh, the sex crisis. But there now it that. seems as though the bishops are at the mercy of the scientists. And, you know, I'm not asking them to go against public health rules by any, tr- right. by any means. But can't we base some decisions on, you know, just faith in God and total trust and abandonment? And saying, yeah, no, this you, is, this is, yeah, go on. You could, I think if you started with those things and then you, you added a dollop of creativity to it, uh, aided by the Holy Spirit, I think there are other solutions than simply shutting it all down. Ah, go, uh, t- go into more of that because, as you know, I was trying to write a blog post on this topic. Well, I mean, yeah, so tell- for example, right? Okay, so the, the limited amount, and I'm not trying to pass myself off as any kind of authority, go and check. If you, if you want to use any of these statements, dear listener, go and check every last one of them before you, you know, use them for any, you know, for any actual decision making on your part. <laughs> right. But what I have heard is that, you know, you basically, so this is, okay, so let's, yeah, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to try to talk about the science just a teeny tiny bit and why this is so weird. I mean, this is yeah. something I wanted to say at some point in the context of this podcast. This really is weird. Why are mm-hmm. we, you know, it, it feels real. It feels like we are taking Black Plague, you know, most of us would die if we didn't take these measures type measures, shutting down society for this thing that we're like, and it's an, it's an order of, mag, it kills an order of magnitude more people than the regular flu does. Right. Which is, you know, I mean, on the, on the scale of those sort of things, I mean, Diseases are like earthquakes, I think, in that, you know, order of magnitude is the right scale to measure them on. So, okay. So, averaged over all ages, 1% of people that get it, give or take, order of magnitude, we don't know, because we don't know how many people are actually infected, um, are going to die of it. And that's right. including all the septuagenarians and octogenarians right. and nonagenarians who are going to bear the vast brunt of it. Right. You know, people from 20 to 30... I mean, the the odds are we don't know how low, but they're low. They yeah. are really low, and and yeah. in, in order for that to happen, you almost certainly probably need to be a smoker or have some sort of congenital respiratory problem or something. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so this is not going to kill many millennials at all, right. no matter what we do. Um, yeah. So, but that's okay. Let me let me let me close that parenthesis and and go back to what you were talking it is weird that we're, okay. we're shutting down society to that extent and so okay so what 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 could we do i mean you look at it and what i would wonder about so it's you know you have to you have so when so it has to be sick you know, not only does it kills more people than the average flu but it's but it transmits less easily they're pretty sure already that it transmits less easily than the seasonal flu you need to be uh-huh. you need to be sick you need to actually be symptomatic. You know, you need to yes. you need to you need to have symptoms that would let you know if you're at all aware of reality that you're actually sick. Now, if you're that girl who you know gets surprised by the fact that she's pregnant when you know labor starts, that level of cluelessness, you might not realize you're sick. But right. other than that, you probably realize that you're sick. Um, right. And that is a story from my high school biology class. Just saying, that's not is me that, making okay. that story up. But okay. anyway, I mean, it didn't happen in my bio- high school biology class. That was a story my high school biology teacher told. Okay. Um, anyway, <laughs> so you have, to, you, have, uh. you have to be sick enough to know that you're sick in order to transmit this. You have to be within two meters of people. You know, it, it's not, it's closer, you know, it, it's, it's worse than direct 
it's worse than it being limited to direct contact, but okay. So, I mean, I, so I look at this, I'm like, okay, you know, who really needs the chance to be at Holy Week services, you know, in this, in this modern era? I'd say the young, honestly. Wow. Yeah. Like, well, I, I would be, I would be tempted to say, okay, let me get, let me go out there with a tape measure. So how many pews I have, let's put everybody six feet apart and say, okay, I'm going to, you know, get out lottery tickets to everyone younger than 30 or 35 or 40 in my parish and say, all of you, as long as you obey these protocols, please come pray for the people who can't come. Please right. come to Palm Sunday. Please come to Holy Thursday. Please come to Good Friday. Obey these safety protocols. Here's hand sanitizer every freaking where. Right. Um, you know, take take precautions and pray for everyone else and be involved in that. And then, you know, and, and take a moment to realize, okay, in this silence, in this, like, you know, we're obviously in a time of need and realizing that, yeah, I mean, certainly this is liable to, this is going to kill a lot of people, a lot of older people. That is true. That's unquestionably true. And that's okay. But what do we, what do we do about it in terms of these are the things we could do into it. And of course, you know, I say that and I'm like, but they would get crucified in the court of public opinion. Is it worth it? I don't know. Would it, would it yeah. be worth it? I really don't know. Yeah. Yeah. But it would be a beautiful, unique uh, gesture. Boy, Pope Francis would inherently love it on at least some level because, uh, you know, he wrote a whole encyclical last year and uh, held a whole uh, synod on uh, how can we how can we serve young people? Right. And uh, and um, it's uh, uh, to 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 empower them in that sense or to, to show that we value them at a time when our politics don't value them. At a time when our economics don't <laughs> clearly, because them. look at who's running. Like you know, for all the yeah, I mean, really, not not to, again. Like you said, not to get you know partisan about it. Like if the if the Democratic Party would cough up a candidate I could vote for, I'd vote for them. I'd right, vote. right. I mean, and the and the Republican Party's not coughing up a candidate I can vote for. I'm going to vote against Donald <laughs> right. Trump again well, this fall. Uh -huh. I mean, it's going to be my and, third time. I right? I voted against Donald Trump every chance I've gotten. I'm going to continue that trend. <laughs> I'm going to vote for a third party for president. It's just what I'm going to do. I check the third but, parties every year for president, and that's almost always what I do. I, I've and, probably voted yeah. for one major party candidate for president. Wow! In the years and, that I've been voting. That, but think think about the that disempowerment that our political system has been you know, routinely subjecting you to, and a lot of people feel that way. No wonder a lot of people feel like their backs are, are up against. The wall, yeah. both economically and sociologically, yeah. and that's what people. And unfortunately, you know that becomes that's one of those vicious cycles. I call it the Israeli and Palestinian cycle. I mean, it's you know uh -huh. you, pick, you can pick however many examples from history, but it's okay. like each side. Yeah. We've we've gotten to the point in the la in my lifetime. You know, I was born in 1979, so the the party politics weren't as bad back then. Right, um, and it's you know you could you could respect that you know. I, there weren't. I don't. To my knowledge, in 1979, there were not Republicans going around saying, "Well, Jimmy Carter's not my president. He's elite, He's illegitimate." Blah 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 blah. Right. That right. wasn't. That wasn't on the radar. That was not. No. A, that was not an allowed political tactic back then. Right. 
Right. I don't think that was. I don't think in 1985 Democrats were going around and saying Ronald Reagan is not my president. Blah blah. He's he he stole the election. He did blah 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 blah. I mean, I mean, yeah. part of it was that he won in a landslide in '84, and that you know would make that kind of a ridiculous statement to try to back up. Wow. But right. um, you know, that would help. It would help if we could win legitimate landslides anymore. Um, uh, but I mean, even when mm-hmm. Obama won in a landslide in '08, of course, now it was on the table to have you know the birther argument or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, which is one of uh, all, all that insanity. Yeah. Um, yeah. It just. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, I'm sorry, Bill. I wandered down another uh, rabbit hole. Can you bring us back? I, I, actually, the rabbit holes are fun. I don't mind the, ma- the rabbit holes at all. And I, I guess my only concern is that the uh, uh, social distancing, which um, uh, and I, I've written this 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 blog post that uh aims just as you did uh aims to to try to find some uh rainbows uh some silver linings uh uh behind the mess um it 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 seems as though we're being subjected to a a kind of you might say that the whole world is being placed on lent uh yeah. and it, you know it, we're all being told to sacrifice um, but without any, but without any immediate uh, clarity on uh, uh, how to do it well, how uh, the, the the purposefulness uh, that that uh, Lent uh, exacts sacrifices, with the promise that you're going to draw closer to God, you're going to draw closer yeah. to uh, your your own uh, uh, human identity, you're going to draw closer to other people. Um, and and uh, there's the danger that we're all going to go down rabbit holes when we're isolated by social distancing, and that's yeah. I'm concerned that that's only going to feed the social polarization that is probably going to reappear all too quickly once yeah. we emerge from our rabbit holes. Well, I mean, it's not even going to go away. I mean, if you if you look on social media, no, in fact, you're right. Continue. It's not going it's away. Gonna, it's going to ramp it's up. Got, it's might gonna... worsen. It's going to ramp up at an increased rate as people are just sitting there with nothing better to do than yes, not, the abil- is... not the ability to keep themselves from, you know, to doing something constructive rather than just staying on social media and bitching about things. Yes, that is so scary. Yeah, that I is mean, so it's, it's already, you know, it's looking at it. I mean, like I've already I've already I've already given you my opinion on Donald Trump. Right. 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 But then you can go like you can go surf. And I sent this in like, you know, the email to you. I, I was sent to you while I was preparing for this. Like, you know, you go you go survey social media. And I talked about this to some extent. I've looked at, you know, just even further, been more, even more amused by it. And <laughs> to some extent, I think this is a, it's like the coastal elites are like, Trump is terrible. Trump has completely, and, and I would not for a moment want to try to defend anything the administration has done, any step they've taken. I have honestly haven't investigated it. Fair like I said, I already know I'm not going to vote for him in the fall. Nothing he can do. Nothing he's going to do is convince is going to convince me to vote for him in the fall. So right. I'm not that worried about it. Um, right. I'm so, but you know, so so P- coastal elites are like, well, he he didn't take action fast enough. He's gonna have ki- and he's killed people and and some and some theories that you know, like so some somebody did you hear something about the German government has supposedly or someone in the German government has supposedly released or leaked 
I haven't chased that down. <laughs> It'd be an interesting thing to check on that uh-huh. Trump was trying to get hold of this vaccine for some nefarious purpose. That oh my goodness, haven't heard going, that one. Yeah. Not going to allow people to use it, and then and then some other rumor about you know he held off using the WHO's vaccine until you know Kushner's company could capitalize on making its own version of the vaccine. I mean, all that oh stuff's going around. Goodness. Couldn't uh-huh. couldn't begin to sort through all of that. Um, again, like I said, ultimately don't care voting against him in the fall. Don't need further evidence to vote against him. There it right. is. Okay. Um, so all that's going on. And then on the other side, and then the people here in the heartland who hate Trump. Right. right. Um, so I'm, you get on like a Facebook feed from a local media personality in Indianapolis. And yeah. it's full of people saying things like, well, back when we had the H1N1, when Obama was in, you know, in charge, there was nothing near this kind of panic. What's this right. crap? The Trump, the Trump administration is just trying to be, you know, what's the word I'm groping for? You know, they're just trying to pretend there's a crisis. Yeah, Trying to pretend there's a crisis that there really isn't. I'm like, you get to the point where it doesn't matter. You know, yeah. it, it just doesn't matter. No matter what, absolutely, you, you just look at the world such that absolutely everything, and it was true when Obama was in office. It's the same. It was true when W was in office. Uh-huh. It was pretty much true already when Bill Clinton was in office. Absolutely, but I think it was less so. But everything, literally everything, you you can't take in a fact or a bit of news without some part of your brain involuntarily constructing how this means that Donald Trump is a terrible president. Yeah. I mean, like that's that, and that's, and everything has to be. Everything has to go back to that. It's yeah, just, it's, uh, it's insane. It's just insane. Yeah. That's just a, yeah. That's a, a toxic frame of mind. It's a. It, it would be one, it would be a betrayal of the cause to say that Donald Trump has ever done a single thing right or well. Yeah. Like that's what. Like I can't I can't go there. I literally can't yeah. go there. Yeah. I literally yeah, can't no, go neither there. can I. Right, and and we were uh, uh, at least I think I was raised both by family and school to have a much more open mind and uh, an ability to see multiple sides of a story, and I'm so surprised that 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 ability has eroded so far uh, in in more recent generations, uh, or or maybe no. it's. Maybe in the generations, uh, uh, they are actually more open-minded, but the media present this uh, closed-minded image, and we, we take it, well, we I project mean, it onto people. I mean, the media does this. I think, I mean, to build to this, this is the 21st century. The media is trying to catch up with the blogosphere. The media is trying yes, to catch up with right. social media. That's right. You know, people, what people are really interested in is, is hearing some fire-breathing, you know, person who's you know snarky person on twitter and you know the dan rathers of the current era are just kind of you know desperately trying to keep up they're they feel hamstrung by the you know by the sense that they're sort of supposed to maintain some level of decorum from decades gone by sort of but yeah i mean they're they're playing catch up yeah and uh yeah, the the, uh, the 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 uh that's why uh the media do something that I've never understood uh namely uh, uh quoting uh anonymous people who are clearly outliers in their opinions and mind frames 
just quoting uh, outrageous tweets uh, because they're titillating, but yeah. not because they add anything to the broader public debate or the search for common truth and values. And yeah. I, uh, but you're right. They're they're trying to imitate social media because social media has been so successful. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Because it captures so much. It captures so much attention, which is what everybody wants, because that sells advertising. Yeah. Makes the wheels. Yeah. Makes the wheels go round. Well, it's like that. Uh, or it that sells your own products. One of the two. Thanks for listening to this episode of That's So Second Millennium. TSSM's audio producer is Morgan Burkhardt. Our theme music, Igneous Grok, was composed and performed by Vin Marquardt. For my co-host Bill Schmidt, I'm Paul Geesting. Until next time.